Welcome to the DC Drop, where we talk all the news from DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. We're going to talk some Batman Beyond later today, but we want to get into just a little bit of news. Still not a ton going on in the world of DC. Robert Pattinson really gave his first actual talk about playing Batman in an interview with Variety. This was one of those kind of, I don't want to call it a fluff piece because that sounds negative, but it's a it's a nice actor interest piece, and we get a little bit of stuff about the behind-the-scenes stuff. So if you're interested in that behind-the-scenes, how did he get cast, the auditioning process, that kind of thing, it's a good article to read. Mm. Um, and so I'll just run down a few notes, and if there's anything that interests you here, Zach, let me know. Uh, it's kind of funny. He, he was furious because there was that initial report that he had been cast when he hadn't actually been officially signed on yet. And so he was furious when that came out because he thought it kind of ruined his chance. And he tells a funny story about how he was sitting on a train, I think, next to Christopher McQuarrie. And he was he had been Googling himself for the past hour. And then he realized Christopher McQuarrie was watching him do that, maybe. So he, he felt really dumb. Uh, but there's a funny story. McQuarrie said on Twitter he was actually found the news out about Pattinson. It's just kind of funny. But like seeing a star like that actually Googling themselves, feeling really nervous a big star like Robert Pattinson, I thought was a pretty cool story. Yeah. And it, it like, it does like trying, obviously I'm not famous or have never had something like this, but just like if somebody tweeted out that I got a job as I was heading into the interview for the job or before I had even interviewed, that would be, would be a pretty awkward situation, especially like, do you acknowledge it when you go into the audition or do you like talk about it or you just pretend like it didn't happen and still give it every chance you have? I don't know. But yeah, that's, that does have to be kind of a weird uh, position, but it sounds like he, is at least being kind of funny about it. So, yeah, and he said as a kid he was a big Batman fan. It's the only outfit he had. I don't, I, I don't believe that. You know, you never know how true this is. Whenever somebody gets cast as something, it seems like they were always a fan, right? And they just never mentioned it until they were cast in that role. I, I'm not doubting him or anything, but uh, that is a neat story that he was a fan as a Batman or yeah. a Batman fan as a kid, and specifically like the movies and uh, presumably the Michael Keaton, maybe Val Kilmer, maybe George Clooney. I don't know what he what he was into as a kid, but uh, I thought that was pretty neat also. Yeah, it's it's cool that you're getting somebody as a fan. It's Yeah, it is a little different. Like, obviously, Ben Affleck was a very visible and it was kind of famous how much of a Batman fan he was. Um, but uh, so that's that's cool to see that he is a uh, Robert Pattinson is also a Batman fan. Yeah, and you don't have to be a fan to right. be able to make a great Batman. Uh, but it is kind of neat. I think fans like that helps you root for the guy a little bit more. And he actually said the response to his casting was less vitriolic than he expected. And I got to say, it was pretty positive. I mean, yeah, you can see negative negativity about literally any subject if you if you look hard enough online. And there's certainly some of that with his casting. But I think overall, it was a very positive response. People realize, hey, this guy's a good actor and he could be a great Batman. Yeah, definitely. So as soon as he heard Matt Reeves was going to be directing and maybe on a with a younger Batman, he just started pestering him, it sounded like. Patton said, said, I had Batman in my mind for a while. It's such an absurd thing to say. I sort of had an idea to do it, and I'd been prodding Matt. He didn't accept any prods. I kept asking to meet him. Reeves finally agreed to meet only after he had finished the script. Patton said, said, and then I had to kind of try to imagine what he'd written. I hadn't even read the script. I'd come in with this pad full of notes. So he was very much, this is a job he had wanted. And he talked about how after Twilight, he didn't want to get jump into a franchise. And he, he liked his smaller independent movies. But there's something about Batman that really attracted him to it and really wanted him to go out of his way for that job, even though I'm sure he had several different roles in franchises that he could have gone after in the past several years. 
Oh yeah, definitely. He is a big enough name that he could do, like you said, a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of options for him, but this does, this does back up what he was saying about being a big Batman fan. If he's trying this hard and like going after it this much, um, and prodding Matt Reeves that much, obviously Batman is something special to him, has a special place in his heart. So that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, and I do, it's nice to hear that Matt Reeves didn't even, didn't really want to entertain it or talk about it until he had finished the script. So that means, or at least to me, it sounds like he had a very specific vision for Batman and the story he wanted to tell. And he didn't want the the casting to affect that. You know, he didn't want to write a story around the way that an actor acts. He wanted to tell a story and then have an actor come in and fill that. So I think that's a good way to do it. He also pointed out how it's pretty humiliating to have when you've got like five people <laughs> shoehorning you into a Batman suit that probably isn't, if you're using a test one, it's probably not made for you. So you got people forcing you in there. But then he said, you know, he talked about how with Reeves about how it's transformative once it's actually on you and you get to be realize you're Batman and not just some guy getting with people's hands all over you trying to adjust you and who knows what else goes on when you jump into a Batsuit. And coincidentally, the, he officially got the role the same day he started filming with Christopher Nolan on Nolan's next film. So he asked Nolan a bunch of questions and mostly it was like, how do I move around in the bat suit? And that kind of thing is what it sounds like. Yeah. These are just like the funny little practical things that you sometimes forget about, especially if you're just, if you're not watching any of the behind the scenes stuff, if you're just watching the movie and you're swept away in the, the fantasy of it all. But you know, it is just a big hunk of rubber that they have to figure out how to make look realistic and move around in an intimidating way. So it's just funny to hear these little things every now and then. And of course you wouldn't discuss literally pretty much anything about the actual film itself and if his the plan is to have multiple films or if he could be appearing as batman elsewhere or anything like that he obviously didn't talk about any of that he said he's just trying to he knows about four scenes that he can do that he's working on and he's going to go from there yeah overall like you said not a ton of actual hard information in this report but it does it does definitely um I, i'm not super familiar with robert pattinson before this i haven't seen a lot of his work but it does make me feel a lot a lot better about um, having him playing Batman, it seems like he's a, a good fit and is passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, we got some news from Deadline about more additions to the cast of The Suicide Squad, the, the sequel to that film. So Peter Capaldi, who a lot of people know from Doctor Who, is evidently been cast in an unknown role. Um, and then Pete Davidson, who is from Saturday Night Live, is also uh, expected to be there in a cameo role. So again, these are um, pretty sort of big names i guess yeah pretty big names um probably in some sort of small roles but it's not really known for uh, capaldi yeah again they're getting added at the last minute there's potential for a big cast here you know these could be people and maybe they're on the suicide squad early in the movie but they get blown up or maybe they're just cameoing in bell rev or any kind of thing or playing some random character elsewhere don't know but uh there was a cast table reading recently and they're about to start filming soon so uh, production is really about to start ramping up on the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Next up, Warner Brothers has released a teaser for Birds of Prey, but it's only going to appear in theaters. So it's a 40-second teaser, and right now it plays before It Chapter 2, which I have not had the pleasure of going and sitting through that three-hour thing. Um, <laughs> so I, I haven't seen this. I, I'm assuming you haven't seen it either, Tom. I have not. I know it's yeah. it's specifically for it chapter two and designed to be played in front of it chapter two theatrical only thing and i haven't seen that and i know i don't watch stuff that leaks online or or anything like that so um 
maybe I'll see it if I get to see it chapter two soon. But you got to be thinking there's going to be a full teaser or full trailer coming yeah. relatively soon. We're inside five months. The film comes out February 7th. So you got to think we're going to be seeing some real footage pretty soon. In Joker news, with their early domestic opening weekend tracking has shown up three weeks out. Deadline is registering that there is strong interest for males of all ages and all genders in the in the early 20s demographic. So very strong interest. It talks about how some first choice numbers for males uh, is stronger than things like Logan and Batman v Superman for certain demographics. So it's clear, clearly interesting a lot of people. And part of that is when it's first choice, that means it's comparing it to other films that are coming around at the same time. But it still shows tons of interest in Joker. Uh, mentions deadline mentions sources projecting ninety million, another one at eighty-two million. Variety's numbers suggest somewhere between seventy-six and eighty-eight million for an opening domestic weekend. If it's anywhere in this range, we've talked about before, it'd be very successful financially, and it's got a good chance at the October record from Venom last year, which made eighty point two million in its opening weekend. Yeah, a lot, a lot of interest in this. Like this is this is one of those movies where. I, like friends who don't really care about comic books or superhero movies or any of that kind of stuff have mentioned this movie to me or asked questions about it because it is it just looks a lot different um, than your your standard superhero movie that has come out recently. So a lot of interest in it, and it's not surprising that it it looks like it's going to get some good um, good box office results. Um, we can talk later when it actually comes out and we see the results about what that means for the future of DC and these types of movies. But um, either way, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good return on investment. Yeah, uh, especially domestically. I'm curious how this does overseas and if the harder drama does as well. I wouldn't expect it to do as well, relatively speaking, compared to something like Aquaman, which had the majority of its money come from overseas i could see it being a little bit more domestic heavily than what we're used to from dc films yeah especially because internationally the the big flashy um action sequences are normally what brings in the bigger money because it that translates pretty globally that looks really interesting it's visually interesting and this is more it seems like a lot of the personal drama and and dialogue and stuff and so sometimes that's hit or miss but the joker name brand is still very well known oh, yeah. so it could still do I, I'm not expecting it to tank overseas or, or internationally or anything like that, but relatively speaking, I don't know if it's going to be as strong, but we will wait and see. Find out pretty soon. Next up in TV news, HBO has announced a debut date for Watchmen of October 20th. So Sunday, October 20th at 9 p.m. Eastern is when the first episode of the new Watchmen TV series is going to drop. Yeah, it's nice to finally have an official confirmed release date. Sunday's at 9 p.m. I'm guessing that will be the, the regular going forward. I'm sure you are very excited about this. Very, very excited. And that's not very far away at all that that will fly by. No, just over a month. Things are about to get very busy for DC with, with Joker and maybe some other trailers and news and TV shows really picking up in October. Uh, a lot of shows coming back or debuting in the case of Watchmen. Yeah. Some Crisis on Infinite Earths news. We've got a couple actors returning to their roles. John Wesley Ship is confirmed to be back. For Crisis, according to TV Insider, they don't say which role or how many episodes he will appear in. Ship was, of course, in Elseworlds last year as Earth-90 Flash. He's also been Henry Allen, Earth-3, Jay Garrick, Flash. Um, I would expect him definitely to be back as Earth-90 Barry Allen. His appearance in Elseworlds kind of just seemed like a setup for Crisis. 
And but it wouldn't surprise me if he's also back as Jake Eric from Earth Three. Yeah, I I'm not super concerned about how John Wesley ship or like what characters he comes back as or what character. Uh, I'm just glad that he is coming back because I've I just really like the actor and everything he's done on the show. But I mean, this would be the perfect time with Crisis on Infinite Earths for him to appear as all of those characters or different versions of those characters. So um, I think they could do really interesting stuff with this. But basically, the other thing is this just really makes me wish hope that they can get Mark Hamill involved in somehow and just bring back all of the the big people um, that have appeared on the show in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I like Ships Jake Eric. I wouldn't mind seeing more of him in Crisis. I think we could see that, but I think we definitely could see. I'd be shocked if we don't see his Barry Allen return. And that's the one I kind of prefer to see as his, you know, that's a character he played almost 30 years ago. I'm a little bit more attached to that one than his Jake Eric, even though I like his Jake Eric. So I, I hope he gets something cool to do. I know with all of these characters, it's going to be tough to give them more much to do, but uh, maybe he gets something slightly longer or at least an action scene after last season. Kind of like what I said about with Superman, it wouldn't, I, if you're going to have two Barry Allens, I don't know that both will make it out alive. You know, I just um, wouldn't expect that. But yeah, I don't know how much he'll be in, but I'm very excited to see him. And Mark Hamill, yeah, I don't know how likely that is. Again, how are you going to, how many of these characters can you fit in with things like budgets and time limits, that kind of thing. But I would love to see him back as a trickster. I know some would like to see him as the Joker. Well, maybe he could be both. Who knows uh, with everything that's going on in crisis. And Jonathan Sheck will return as Jonah Hex. Also, according to Entertainment Weekly, again, number of episodes is unknown. He's been on Legends of Tomorrow a couple of times. I'm glad to see him back. And this kind of shows that there's likely to be some kind of time shenanigans going on, as is the case in the Crisis on Infinite Earths comics, where uh, I think this is opening the door to we can see characters from the past history, maybe from the future, in all kinds of different timeline things going on, joined together. But I'm excited. Jonah X is a cool character. I'm glad to see more of him. Yeah, he's a cool character. Um, and again, just bringing back all of these people, that's really exciting. All right. Well, that is it for the news. We're going to talk just a briefly, a little bit about some Batman Beyond. We wanted to look back at some Batman Beyond. This is the 20th anniversary this year of Batman Beyond. And with Kevin Conroy playing an older Bruce Wayne, it would be a good idea to look at that going into Crisis on Infinite Earth. So what we did was look at the pilot, the two-part pilot, Rebirth, part one and two, which aired on January 10th of 1999 and Return of the Joker. Uh, I guess overall, you are a big Batman Beyond fan from what you've said before, Zach. What uh, what are your overall thoughts on Batman Beyond? Yeah, it it definitely came along at the perfect time in my life. I think um, it was when it came out, I was the perfect age, like the target audience for this show, I think. So um, it kind of, looking back on it, there's some some sort of cheesy stuff every now and then. Um, but it definitely like played into my, my young boy mind like the the theme song and like the super generic rock music i thought was like the coolest (laughs) thing ever when i heard that for the first time um that doesn't hold up as well but the story and like just the the unique premise definitely does hold up and it was just making something really new um out of batman which was not exactly the coolest thing right then uh made batman new and cool and fresh again and i think it came out at a a perfect time at least in my childhood yeah and i'm was not into to Batman Beyond when I was younger. And so I've seen, obviously, a lot of it in recent years. I think I've seen all of it. Um, overall, I'm not huge into the idea of someone other than Bruce Wayne being Batman. Yeah. I'm always, no matter how much Batman Beyond I watch or rewatch, 
I'm never really comfortable calling Terry McGinnis Bruce Wayne. Not that he's not a, a cool character or anything like that, but uh, I just, I, especially with characters like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, since they have survived for so long in DC Comics and always been there, you know, survived the golden age when characters were going away. Those three, especially, I'm not into seeing legacy versions of them, seeing other versions of those characters. But having said that, this is a pretty cool way to do it. You set it in the far off future. We've got a Batman who we saw saw for years on Batman the Animated Series. You see more of him with the Justice League after Batman Beyond and Kevin Conroy doing a great job with that. And so seeing this is pretty cool. And Will Friedel does a great job as Terry McGinnis. And so it is a pretty cool premise in that way, setting something in the future with kind of the restrictions they had. And, and the whole idea behind the show was that they wanted a young Batman show. And that wouldn't really make sense with Bruce Wayne. So they set it in this continuity. And I think it's pretty cool premise from that aspect. Looking at the pilot, though, the rebirth, where we get the the origins there. It was directed by Kurt Gita, written by Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, and Stan Berkowitz. What did you think of this pilot? It, it definitely brought back um, memories. Like I said, mentioned before, that theme song, as soon as that plays, that just kind of brings back my childhood, as, as corny as that song is. Um, but yeah, it, again, I think it, it holds up pretty well. It does a really good job of introducing Terry McGinnis and who he is and like um, what is going on with Bruce Wayne and Batman um, at this point and why he needs to, to stop and um, his failing health and everything like that. And you figure out Terry's life and his family pretty quickly and then obviously have some drama and some, some sadness with him uh, play out in the first couple episodes. Um, but you see why he, why he wants to fight. What's not super apparent is why he's so good at fighting, but you just kind of accept that <laughs> um, for the time being. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. It it brings in a lot of new cool tech elements, um, which even today still seems pretty cool, which I think was uh, pretty good of them to do in 1999 to kind of guess at like how um, how computers would be everywhere and some of the technology that would be available. Not saying that some of it is kind of weird or that um, I think they're still like handing things out on floppy disks or stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. But Overall, I think they did a pretty good job of predicting the future, which is always hard to ask. Yeah, it's it's really foolish to try to predict what things are going to like look like. And this, they're really predicting. I don't think they ever specifically say that it is what year it is in the pilot, mm -hmm. but it's basically forty years in the in the future because uh, we see Bruce twenty years in the future, right? And then the the main story picks up twenty years after that. So I always thought of it as twenty thirty nine in my head. And so predicting 40 years in the future, obviously, you know, who knows what things are going to look like 40 years from now. I don't want to predict what technology looks like and ex expect that to be standard. But um, yeah, I think that, that's cool. Just a cool futuristic look at it. And yeah, there's some stuff. A lot of it is like what 1999, what we thought would sound like futuristic music and that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's just something that goes with doing a futuristic type show. And yeah, Terry is a cool character. You got to have the, the tragic backstory. I guess to to make him a Batman character, uh, I don't know why he yeah his his fighting I don't understand quite as much, but I know the suit helps with that. Uh, it's pointed out that that is a state of the art suit even then in the future, even though it's a twenty year old suit, and I think that's good. I think the animation fits with what you would think the future of Batman the animated series could look like. And the opening scene, I always kind of man, I get that's a really well done opening scene, and you kind of really feel for Bruce. He, he's having a heart attack there and he does the one thing that he never wanted to do. He pulls a gun on a criminal just to save himself. And that's when he decides never again. 
he will not be Batman anymore because he's no longer physically capable of doing it on his own. Yeah, and it it does not take long at all, but it really does, like you said, it sets up who Bruce Wayne is in this universe and what he's dealing with. Um, and it, it totally fits with the character of Batman and Bruce Wayne that you know um, he's not going to yield on that. He's very, very principled. And the fact that that was something he had to do, like that was a an immediate turning point. He made that decision immediately and stuck to it and never went back on it. So he is definitely a man of his word. Yeah. And Kevin Conroy is just awesome as Bruce Wayne, you know, young Bruce Wayne, old Bruce Wayne, whatever you want to make him. Uh, he's, his voice work is tremendous. And yeah, that's, that's one of the most compelling parts by far is Bruce Wayne, even though this is mainly about Terry McGinnis and Terry McGinnis is a good character on his own. Uh, I'm much more interested in the Bruce Wayne type stuff. And then that whole world of Gotham that they, they don't really explain it all. And in, mm-hmm. in the first episode, some of it gets revealed a little bit later, but you can kind of guess, you know, you know, Alfred's not around. We don't hear anything about Dick Grayson, um, Tim Drake for a while. Jim Gordon, we don't hear about, but Barbara Gordon is now the police commissioner. So they do that set up, give subtle hints to what's going on in the world of Gotham all these years later. Yeah. And it's nice when they can, you know, make references to those things that you're familiar with, um, but still updating them. Like the, the jokers are all these people that are obviously directly inspired by the Joker, but you don't actually see the Joker in these first few episodes. Um, so all those nods and Barbara Gordon, like you said, um, bringing in those things that you know are, are familiar with from Batman, um, but updating them and making new things based on them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool to see, you know, villains would be inspired by villains. Obviously, you don't want to just have a new Joker or, I mean, you could do that. You could just have a new Joker or have Joker be really old and uh, still being Joker. But they go a different way and have, you know, they create a lot of original villains for the show or some that like the Jokers that were inspired by previous villains. Uh, one thing cool, Sherman Howard as Derek Powers is kind of a cool recurring villain in the first season of both Bruce and Terry. Uh, Sherman Howard was Lex Luthor the last three seasons of Superboy, the TV series, and he also voiced Steppenwolf on Superman, the anime series. Really quite a good Lex Luthor for that show. And so I thought that was cool whenever they do one, you know, a an instance of casting looking back at past DC shows and Superboy's kind of a forgotten one. So it's cool to see Sherman Howard in that role. Yeah. And he definitely has the, a very good villain voice and gets to make good use of it on this. One of the, maybe one of the, the nitpicks of this is, and this is just kind of more of a constraint of you have to do this, but how quickly Bruce, because Bruce does not trust Terry, doesn't want anything to do with him, but then how quickly he switches to, okay, you're Batman now. Basically, I want to give you a job and I'm going to work with you. But you can't, like, especially in a kid's TV show, you can't drag that out for, like, the whole first season of Terry trying to prove himself um, to Bruce. So I almost wish, like, there could be some sort of prequel movie where you get to see that relationship develop more. Um, but I'm perfectly fine with this introduction to these characters. Yeah, they have to set up the status quo by the end of the episode, so I get it. That's just kind of a pilot thing. Um, I think I I understand it feeling a little rushed, but I think it mostly feels Bruce realizes you know he's going to need to fight back for Gotham, and he can't do it. So this kid wants to. He might as well give him a shot, I guess. But yeah, so I guess that's it for the pilot. We can look at Return of the Joker, the movie that was released in December of 2002 during the third and final season. The uncut version was released a couple of years later, which has a little bit more violence. A grin directed by Kurt Gita, written by Paul Dini, Glenn Murakami, and Bruce Timm. And not surprisingly, it features the return of the Joker. 
Yeah, not just the return of the Joker, the return of Mark, Mark Hamill as the Joker. Yes, always great to hear Mark Hamill as Joker. So yeah, this this movie has a lot of twists and turns, uh, but overall, it's a really great addition to the Batman Beyond universe. Um, and the little thing that you mentioned, like it was released during the third and final season. This is another sign of when this show came out in my childhood that, you know, time seemed like it went a lot slower back then and th- things seemed a lot bigger than they were. I remember the show being on forever <laughs> and it just like being a huge part of my childhood, but not really. It was it's not around for very long. <laughs> yeah, just just three short seasons. Yeah, overall, I, I really, really do um, like this film and the animation is really good. The the voice acting is really good. It's got a lot of uh, good action and the story is a bit convoluted, but um, overall, I still like it quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's cool to see again. It's cool to see Kevin Conroy as or here Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne, Batman, and Mark Hamill's Joker returning to that. You know, seeing those two characters play a big part in the plot of this story was really cool to see. Obviously, they have to get Terry in the end there and him save the day. It's 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 his show, um, and I think they do a really good job with that. It's a good film. Uh, yeah, tying in some early Batman the animated series mythology with the present. Batman Beyond uh, is really cool. Cool way to balance that and juggle the two. Have it still be Batman Beyond, obviously, but lots of Bruce and Joker. Yeah, the story is the story is cool. I think it's good. Um, convoluted, like you said, maybe. Uh, but but getting that flashback, really dark look back at what happened to Tim all those years ago, what he had to go through with Joker and Harley. Uh, it gets pretty serious there for a kids movie, quote unquote. Yeah, it gets really serious and it, it deals like even, you know, without the extra violence and the uncut version, it still deals with really heavy topics and like hard, hard decisions that if this were real life, these kind of heroes would have to make. And so um, that's part of the that's part of what makes this so cool is that even though this is a kid's show and kid's animated show, it deals with some of those harder issues um, and it's kind of you can enjoy it as a grown up. And I think that's what make makes this movie hold up better now that i'm an adult that even more so than you know some of the original episodes of the show did because it was not quite dealing with uh, such heavy stuff yeah i do like that harley gets seems to get a nice ending there in the future Mm -hmm. um it's just subtly done but with deanie and tim being two of the writers and having co-created harley quinn it's cool to see her maybe get a bit of a better future than what we have seen with her and the joker in most present day batman stuff yeah but overall, yeah, Batman Beyond, not my favorite, um, just in general. Um, a well-done series, but not my favorite. Just just not something I'm as interested in as some of the other stuff. But I think it's really well done. Return of the Joker is very good and, yeah, enjoyable. So I'm excited to see Kevin Conroy in live action as Bruce Wayne. Don't know if it'll have anything to do with Batman Beyond or hint at that in any way. But uh, pretty cool to see as we build towards Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, definitely. All right, that's all we got for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.